the field to mob Chris Perry. WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor, WCBN.org. Grabs on to attempt it for the Wolverines. Holds your breath, Ann Arbor, as the bar gets set. Places down, kick is up. It's long enough. It's good! It's good! Michigan wins the game! Michigan shocks Washington, and the Wolverines are victorious! vision of peace and global unity alive with sounds and music from all the cultures of all the people all over the world. That music is destructive. That music if we had good music playing for people in a happy society on the streets, you know? I feel like uh, my music uh, I have a new record coming out. I was like, well, maybe this time they'll hear it. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley and we're readjusting a mic here. Jim's uh, on route, so he'll uh, be joining us shortly. Obviously kind of a tumultuous week uh, here in America. Super Bowl's over. I thought it was entertaining. I didn't even see the first half because I was uh, stuck in traffic, as they say, driving a cab. And, uh, boy, the roads this week were treacherous due to that blizzard that affected one-third of the nation and 100 million people. A friendly reminder that winter is still with us. Yes, Groundhog Day has come and gone. And indeed, I think it's interesting how Groundhog Day in Egypt sort of became the turning point in this uh, situation that we're having down there. Obviously, uh, the United States has a variety of complicated issues to deal with diplomatically, politically, historically, uh, regionally, et cetera, et cetera. So the Obama administration's been walking the tightrope. But I would suggest that this tightrope is not between the towers of the World Trade Center, as the uh, movie a couple of years ago uh, documented. Very interesting movie um, about a historical event that occurred many years ago. 
But this is more like a, sort of a balance beam situation. So uh, if we fall off the balance beam, uh, the mat is below us, and the fall is not that far. Um, my own uh, opinion of this situation, I'm sure Jim uh, can uh, put in his uh, two cents worth uh, here in a second, is that... Uh, Believe it or not, people have actually learned from the past. That's what's uh, been striking about this. Obviously, Groundhog Day in Egypt was uh, when the uh, the mounted police, so to speak, came in on the camels and the horses and uh, had their whips and their swords, and basically you had a, a riot uh, of, of sorts going on. Uh, it turned from politics to outright thuggery. And who's who and what's what is uh, difficult to ascertain. But I have a little comment about the issue of crowds and whatnot. Uh, I've, of course, been to probably 30 or 40 University of Michigan football games. And one of the most interesting things about going to a football game, just despite the uh, action itself, is walking into the stadium. Uh, Michigan Stadium is up sort of on a uh, on a hill. It's not a city on a hill, but it could be. And it's interesting that the size of Michigan's uh, football crowd is about the same size as the city of Ann Arbor, which is about the same size as the city of Green Bay, for those Super Bowl fans out there. Uh, they're having the Super Bowl celebration in Green Bay today. The city's closed down, and everybody in the city of Green Bay is uh, out uh, celebrating the, f the outcome of the football game. Well, that football stadium represents 100,000 people, and when you see that, it's fascinating to actually be able to visualize that. And what's been striking to me about the, uh, the main square there in Cairo is that it resembles more of a deadhead scene. It's sort of like Shakedown Street. <laughs> There's people coming and going. It doesn't look like the size of the University of Michigan football crowd. And, of course, I've been to the Pontiac Solar Dome on a couple of occasions, and that was a crowd of 80,000 when sold out. I only saw two games there. One was not a sellout, but one was. Uh, these were Thanksgiving Day games, once against the Bears, once against the Browns. And when you see the Silver Dome crowd, you have a vision of about 80,000. Oh, actually, I take that back. It was there three times because I saw the World Cup there once, uh, the Brazil-Sweden game many years ago. So the Silver Dome fully, uh, fully sold out was about 80,000. And what's wonderful about walking into Michigan Stadium is the crowd is 110,000. But when you walk in through the, the, the gates at the top, and they're just aisles, there's no gate there, but there's a line of people. It takes you... A, five or six minutes to actually get into the stadium usually because most people show up right uh, before kickoff time and there's a bottleneck of people and when you walk in you're at the top and behind you if you, if you turn your head 180 degrees you see 100,000 can't see what's behind you unless you're a weirdo and actually turn your head 360 degrees but I do no such thing so I think it's important to understand what those crowds in uh, to, 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 uh, to Rear Square are actually all about. The second thing is Mubarak uh, appeared to be doomed, but he made one smart move, two smart moves. First of all, he uh, conceded early on uh, that he would not uh, seek re-election. 
And once the Army made the announcement that they weren't going to fire on the protesters, that removed the Tiananmen Square aspect of this situation, which I talked about last week. I didn't think this was Tiananmen Square. I didn't think it was Iran, 1979. I thought that it had some elements and some uh, comparisons to what uh, has, has occurred in Tunisia recently, but it resembled more like the Marcos situation. Mm. In other words, there's a kind of an evolving, it's not a revolution, it's an evolution here. And Mubarak is done. But whether he's going to leave in September or whether he's going to leave in two months is unclear. And I think there's much more action behind the scenes uh, that the media can't report about. The media loves conflict. They love the protests, so to speak. I think they've overplayed the protests and done a little bit too little historical analysis with real experts who have real things to say, like Rami Khoury and the socioeconomic problems that these uh, Arab nations are experiencing with uh, rapid population growth and large... Um, young populations. Even Hillary Clinton, to her credit, uh, at a recent summit uh, many weeks ago when the Tunisian uh, riots were just starting. And let's face it, Mubarak is not like uh, uh, Ben Ali. Ben Ali took his money and ran away. He knew, he knew how to cut his losses. He says, why do I want to lose my life when I've socked away uh, a billion dollars here or there? in bank accounts. Let me, let me go to Saudi Arabia with my family and live uh, like Duvalier and Mobutu with his castles. Mubarak has put up a little bit of a fight. And I think that he's learned from uh, mistakes of other dictators, American-backed dictators. And of course, the list of American dictators or strongmen, I thought that uh, Mark Shields on... Uh, the news hour on Friday made an interesting comment. He said, when, when we back them, they're called strongmen. When we decide that they have to go, they're called dictators. And of course, uh, Jim's just joined me, but there's the famous line about Somoza. He may be an SOB. But he's our SOB. You got it. And that's a very famous analogous uh, example of a dictator that America supported. We could list many of them, Diem, Pinochet, Sukarno, the Shah of Iran, Saddam Hussein to some extent, Mobutu, Marcos, Batista, even strangely in some odd sorts of ways, people like Ceausescu and uh, Tito. Nixon made some overtures to Ceausescu in the, uh, in, the, in the 1970s, for instance. And there have been others, Duarte, uh, Portillo, uh, military juntas in uh, Brazil. And, Guatemala. Uh, this is why they hate us. Guatemala, yes, the overthrow in uh, 1953. So um, Ben Ali took his money and, and ran, to uh, paraphrase a Woody Allen line. And I think there's a very interesting article in the New York uh, Review of Books uh, in the most recent edition that basically was written on the 27th of uh, January, right as these protests were starting in Egypt. It's interesting that the protests started essentially the day that Obama uh, gave his State of the Union. So the American media was paying attention to uh, Obama's State of the Union. But it's interesting uh, that the Wall Street Journal, 
on the, the day following the State of the Union, basically on the 26th of January edition, reported that as many as 50,000 demonstrators had turned out in Cairo, Alexandria, Suez, and other Egyptian cities. Two protesters were killed and one security official was killed. As I was watching live television, the, the decisive day in which the military army did not intervene. They were there, but there wasn't any shooting by them. These were sort of... Uh, that was really the key moment, and it yeah. was, in essence, a non-happening. It was a non-happening because the, you, you were expecting the military to uh, perhaps do the crackdown, but they have obviously had received orders uh, from the Egyptian uh, military hierarchy not to do it. And, of course, those orders probably were part of diplomatic discussions behind the scenes by the United States of America. Under no circumstances are you to fire on demonstrators, because if that happens, you are cut off. I will go to Congress and discuss cutting off uh, your uh, military and economic aid, and that's the problem. That's the problem. The United States' uh, assistance to Egypt is skewed. It needs to be the other way around. It needs to be $1.3 billion of economic aid and less military aid. And let's not fool ourselves. The tear gas that has been used by uh, security forces at various times is made in America. The tanks, the military assistance, and the wherewithal that uh, Egypt has to um, quell the crowds uh, is uh, American-made material. But the Egyptians have wisely, from the security standpoint, not fired the first shot. They're waiting. They're going to try and outweigh these people. And, of course, the academic uh, advisor that I heard on, uh, saw on television uh, last week, one, the night of the blizzard, I, I believe, was pointing out that even if uh, uh, Mubarak resigns immediately, Suleiman takes over. And according to the Egyptian constitution, they have elections in 60 days. Now, who's going to win those elections in 60 days? That's two months away. Well, it's going to basically be the uh, uh, Mubarak party that's going to win those kinds of elections. So perhaps it is wise to just let the process play out, let Mubarak finish out his term, and have the elections, and let the negotiations continue. So I think that the situation has not been a catastrophe uh, the latest report I've, I've heard total is about 150 dead. I watched a guy on live television on uh, MSNBC while I was watching Rachel Maddow's uh, show, uh, the name of which I can't remember. I think it's just called the Rachel Maddow Show. But anyway, she was dealing with her main NBC people, uh, uh, the anchor guy, Brian Williams and Richard Engel, who's been the Middle East guy for many, many years. They're up on a balcony, and what am I watching? I'm watching five young guys pulling a man out of a white pickup, and they're killing this guy. This guy is being beaten, knocked out, thrown in the back of the pickup, and this pickup is being pushed up a ramp on a freeway outside Tahrir Square, and this is basically a live murder. And then the people doing the live television broadcasting are realizing this and going, wait a minute, let's go look at something else. But I was able to connect the dots. Now, who are these young thugs pulling this guy out of this car? 
Who knows? Do they have any political ideas? I don't know. Is there any real substance to what the media is showing us? Any context? Not really. This could just be a gang thing. This could be a drug deal that went bad six months ago over in, uh, you know, the southeast suburb of, of Cairo. And let's remember, Cairo is a city of 18 million people, the greater area. It's huge. And these socioeconomic issues have not been um, adequately investigated on television. They're too interested in showing protests and people chanting and ridiculous nonsense about uh, caliphates and the Muslim Brotherhood. And Glenn Beck, uh, the only thing missing from his show last week was the dunce cap. Um, his map of the world showing the Muslim caliphate with his pointer stick and then showing virtually all of Western Europe as part of the Muslim caliphate. I said, hmm, ever heard of 1066? Ever heard of the Reformation, the Gutenberg Bible, anything about interested w- in the Enlightenment, Western civilization? Oh yes, the Spanish Inquisition, even 1492. It was Ferdinand and Isabella that kicked out the Moors. No, no, no. Europe is part of the Muslim Caliphate now, and of course the American left is behind the whole thing. And then there's now apparently some connection to communism. A uh, straight jacket is uh, beckoning for Glenn Beck, a very dangerous man with uh, goofy ideas that are ahistorical, dangerous, and terribly inaccurate. And he'll be talking indefinitely about the growing conspiracy between the American left and the Muslim Brotherhood and the growing Muslim caliphate that uh, even places like France, England, and Germany, and Italy, and Spain are, are part of. Okay. You'll see the big board. <laughs> Mandrake, uh, the redcoats are coming. <laughs> yeah, Beck, uh, I think you need to check your water. Yeah, purity of essence is uh, the least of his concerns. And uh, I have to say that uh, last couple of weeks, you have to take uh, Dave Emery with a generous portion of salt uh, to lard the baloney uh, in his analysis of these particular uh, events in North Africa. He sees the Muslim Brotherhood as equivalent to the Nazi Party, uh, which is a gross uh, distortion. Certainly the Muslim Brotherhood is a very cryptic organization about which we, we don't know as much as we like. Yeah. But there are some good sources. Uh, there's a guy named Ed Hussein who's written a book about them. He briefly, as a college student, was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood, and he's written a book called The Islamist. Uh, he's written a good piece entitled Egypt Can Bring in the Brotherhood, in which he points out that this is simply part of the fabric of Egyptian society, and most Egyptians do not want a uh, Sharia law society. They are practicing Muslims, but they see the Quran as a divine text, not a political mandate. And so, yeah, and it's it, and it's it clearly a more westernized type of Arab society. And it's a it, very cosmopolitan, ten percent Christian. Yeah, even? It, I mean, it's not. It's not Iran. I mean, it just isn't. No. Never has been. Never will be. And it won't be like Iraq. I mean, it was great for uh, Sean Hannity to let us know that Iraq is the one. Uh, country in the in the Arab world that's got a functioning democracy, <laughs> and I thought to myself, "Oh, really? 
Where you been for the last year, dude? They couldn't even form a government for eight months, and the idea that Iraq is somehow a stable, functioning democracy is Looney Tunes. Yeah, it's actually, so is the attempt to lick, uh, link the WikiLeaks to uh, uh, the secret Nazi machinations of the Dave Emery milieu. Oh, uh, yeah, I... Don't I mean, know where he's going with that. To but denounce I, Daniel Ellsberg as a sort of a stooge to some secret Nazi conspiracy behind WikiLeaks is uh, kind of off the curb. Yeah, I don't think I. I, 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 I guess fortunately for me, I missed this particular episode of Dave Emery. But uh, yeah, I think that the, listen to the academics that are talking right. about these sorts of issues. People who know the languages, who know of contacts in the region. And the history. I mean, like I was pointing out last week, I don't know that much about the Muslim Brotherhood. Of course, uh, it is interesting that uh, Ayman al-Zawari was part of it at one point. But this is a wing of it, and it goes back to 1928. It's not some uh, something that's connected to Ayatollah Khomeini or... or uh, anything like that. Of course, there are uh, Muslim uh, extremist political and terrorist organizations that are scary, but uh, this Muslim caliphate is a thing of the past, Mr. Beck. Well, and the idea, too, that regardless of whatever the organizational infrastructure of the Muslim Brotherhood is, the idea that anybody in uh, an outside country has the right to uh, choose the government of another country, of course, Governments do this covertly all the time. We've seen you've given us the big litany of uh, dictators the U.S. has supported for years. Of course, the famous uh, quote from Kissinger about Chile that we can't stand by and let a country go communist due to the the irresponsibility of its own people. Mm -hmm. Uh, When Allende's cabinet had a handful of communists, that was the extent of communist involvement. Sure. The real crime uh, that Allende committed was nationalizing resources. Which was why Mossadegh had to be overturned by the CIA in Iran in 53, and we're still paying the price of that uh, blunder. And, of course, you know, even here in our own hemisphere, uh, so to speak, uh, the Bush administration was heavily involved in an attempted coup of Hugo Chavez. Um, He, of course, is not one of the American-backed dictators. There were previous guys in Venezuela with names I can't remember. But it's the same sort of thing. America has protected all sorts of corporate thuggery over the years that have repressed democracy. In fact, if anything that's uh, interesting about Obama's approach thus far is uh, how much, shall we say, rope he's been given to the protesters. He hasn't come out right and said, hey, we're on the protesters' side because there are obvious political and strategic reasons for not doing so at this time. you have to use some common sense sometimes. American interests are obviously connected to the pseudo-peace process involving uh, the uh, 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 taking Egypt out of the so-called Arab world and putting it on our side of the ledger, so to speak. Part of the Cold War that I talked a little bit about last week regarding Sadat and his policy mm-hmm. of switching sides uh, with respect to the Israel uh, Israeli uh, peace process, which is... Um, not going with any sort of uh, alacrity uh, necessary. Um, But there's the Suez Canal. There are real issues involving uh, the flow of oil. Oh, yes, 
The invasion of Iraq was about democracy, spreading democracy to the Middle East. Yes, uh, wrong. Oil was a big part of it, and it still is. And the, obviously the key here is the Egyptian army. And what is the Egyptian army doing right now? They're not choosing sides yet. They're wisely Fighting staying their time. on the sidelines. Yeah. Suleiman may indeed be in charge behind the scenes, and perhaps this is the negotiation that is occurring with the so-called Egyptian wise men. It's this, this little phrase that they had that, of course, brought back reminiscence of the wise men from the Vietnam War that Johnson brought yeah, in at yeah. one point. But Obama has wisely said, let the Egyptians solve these problems. We're staying back a little bit. We will work behind the scenes. We will tell uh, Mubarak what, what he needs to receive as far as our message. But we're going to take a little bit of a step back here. And not quite... That's the only way, really, to regain any credibility. Yeah. After having supported Mubarak unquestioningly for three decades? Yeah. It's, an, it's part of American foreign policy that Obama has inherited. And as, as John Adams wisely pointed out during the American Revolution, a very famous comment he made, he said, look, a third of us were uh, for the revolution, a third of us were against the revolution, and a third of us were just waiting to see which side won. That's what reality is. Yeah. There are millions of people in Egypt that are not in favor of these protests. Particularly in the outlying rural areas of Egypt. There's yeah. a lot of strong support for Mubarak still. Those are part of the Egyptian people. And American experts that are coming in and saying, oh, we got to get behind the protesters because this is a democracy movement. And we have to, quote, be on the right side of history. Well, we don't know what that is yet. As I jokingly said last week regarding Joe and Lai's famous comment about the French Revolution. It's too early to tell. <laughs> well, that's a different way of thinking. Put it into your pipe. Smoke that pipe and think differently for a change. Please. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what transpires over the next uh, several weeks. I, my, my own kind of guess here is if Mubarak lasts for two weeks, he, he, he'll probably carry out his whole term. If he's not shown the door that hits him in the backside on the way out uh, within a couple of weeks. I think he'll probably, uh, Egypt will probably sort of collectively as a kind of a consensus decide, yes, okay, let's just let him stay on till September and let's have real elections. The pressure has been applied. The message has been sent. That might just be enough. Yeah. And, it, and as I say, don't, don't, just look at the TV images and think that this is a revolution that's occurring here, because I'm not sure that it is. I think that there's some ch changes that are occurring. There's definitely some some uh, magma that wants to come up to the surface, so to speak, but it may not blow its top, and sometimes that's a good thing. Let's remember that... Uh, I, I heard a guy today, an expert on crowds, point out that 11 Americans died at a Who concert that were crushed by a crowd in Cincinnati. Yep. That had nothing to do with politics. So if 100 people have died in Egyptian violence over three weeks, well, some of which is probably just outright thuggery and outright, you know, private Muggins murders. And, yeah. yeah, like I witnessed on television. That had nothing to do with politics. Well, a dozen people are killed every year on the Hajj when the huge sure. crowds throng Mecca. So let's put it in a little bit of perspective. Let's 
you know, what I like about Obama sometimes is I think he gets the 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 tone right. He it, it's uh, cool down a bit, everybody. Just cool down just a little bit and let bung let the bung plug uh, show Beck and Palin let them stir up the hate. I think it's fascinating, by the way, that Muslim Caliphate has the word slim, lip, and hate <laughs> right in it. It's a perfect description of Sarah Palin. <laughs> I'll have to play around with that and see if we can find an apt anagram for uh, Mr. Beck. As for Mr. Beck, muka, muka, muka. He's the <laughs> remainder of it. Well, I'm just waiting for him to do a show in full bondage gear. I think uh, that will be the uh, the real sign. And and, and yeah, and pay attention to this schism that's really occurring in the American right wing here. They don't even know what to say, how to critique Obama yet. They're trying to figure it out. They know he's wrong. They just can't figure out what to say. They'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, I th- I thought that uh, it was interesting. You know, the the Obama State of the Union, which I didn't talk too much about. I thought it was sort of a pro forma kind of thing, but he came up with this uh, this slogan, winning the future. And uh, Joe Gibbs, I think that's his name, the spokesman who's about to retire or, or uh, move on, last week was quoted as saying, now started yesterday. And I thought, <laughs> beautiful. This Now that's poetry. Now started yesterday regarding, you know, when are we transitioning uh, to democracy. So I think that message has been sent, and I think that really needs to be the extent of it for a while. Let the behind-the-scenes thing work. And yeah, if they have to dig out a, uh, you know, a CIA thug like Wisner, I think it's the same guy. I don't know if uh, Dave Emery's gone into into his background, but uh, I think it's the same guy. And, and have H.W. Uh, Bush call up Mubarak. Give him a phone call. Uh, George W. Bush, I don't, I don't think, would have much sway with Mubarak. <laughs> He'd go, you? <laughs> Click. <laughs> You're the guy that invaded Iraq, and I told you 150 times not to do it, dude. But see, Mubarak was an ally in the first Persian Gulf War. Yeah. He was an opponent of the second Iraq invasion. So there's nothing wrong with using a... A former head of the CIA to call up Mubarak. He's got some sway with the guy. He is an an SOB, but he's a little tiny SOB. He's sort of like the mini-me. He's not quite Saddam Hussein. He's not quite Sukarno. He's certainly not. Not even close, really. Yeah, and as I pointed out last week, he's certainly not. uh, Egypt's not. I mean, yes, they have a uh, police uh, situation. But so it's not like Los Angeles. It's not like Savak. And yes, America right. has corrupt police too that are taking bribes and beating up people. Um, hopefully, there's not systematic torture going on, but I'm sure it happens. Well, and uh, Islam doesn't have a monopoly on fundamentalism nor uh, extremism in general either. So. So Groundhog Day has come and gone. The groundhog came up, and he saw his shadow. It was well, the shadow of Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan. Indeed, the shadow of Ronald Reagan. But uh, I always think of uh, Groundhog's Day happens to also be James Joyce's birthday, who once wrote in Finnegan's Wake that yet is the future, now, now, 
now. Yes. And of course, when he came out of his hole, he never saw a shadow because he had such bad eyesight. <laughs> and was usually drunk by noon. So, uh, But uh, speaking of... He uh, knew winter was going to last six months. Not six having more. good eyesight or being able to distinguish shadows from light all that well. What do you make of this uh, adulation surrounding the 100th birth of Ronald?